So as we come to God's word and we listen to him speak, let's pray together. Dear Father, we pray this morning, this Good Friday morning, that you would give us open hearts and open eyes to see the truth. Please give us humility. Please give us repentance. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us to help us to see what might be a familiar story with fresh eyes and help us to be thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 2009, the Levitt Institute, the Levitt Institute in Sydney, published a study. Uh, this study was to assess people's ability to detect false information. What they did is they took a thousand people from, from each of the five largest cities in Australia and they gave these people 15 short passages about Australian history. The problem was that five of these articles, these short passages, were completely made up. They were false, fabrications. And so the study assessed these people's ability to detect the false information amidst the true information. The aim was to determine which people, and in fact, which city was the best at detecting truth and error. Can you guess, what do you think? Which city is the least gullible? Which city is the most gullible? I'm sorry to say, friends, that this study found that Melburnians were the best at detecting lies. <laughs> and it was us, Sydney-siders, who were the most gullible. <laughs> Apparently, we are a bunch of suckers. And the media picked up on this story. What a great headline, right? Around 33 radio stations, as well as, um, as uh, websites from Fairfax and News Limited, they ran with this story. But the problem was, the report itself was a fake. It was a hoax. If you had eyes to see, buried in the report, if you, if you read it carefully, was this key sentence. These results were completely made up to be fictitious material through a process of modified truth and credibility nodes. I mean, it sounds like scientific um, techno babble, doesn't it? But what it's saying is, we just made this up. Ha ha. But the report was making a serious point, right? The point is that you shouldn't believe everything you hear. You shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet. Surprise, surprise. Even if it seems well-backed. But still, the media outlets were furious and, and anyone who got duped by this paper, I'm sure, would feel like a fool. Humiliated. And they were defensive about their blunder. You see, the truth matters to us, doesn't it? The truth matters. It's important to us to be discerning, well-informed. We don't want to be gullible and naive. No one likes to be made a fool of. The truth matters. Even in our current culture, which, which you know, where postmodernism wants to tell us that all truth is relative, well, in our heart of hearts, we know that real objective truth matters. And as we come to Good Friday and we consider again the death of Jesus on the cross, I want you to see that the truth about Jesus' death matters more than anything. The truth about Jesus' identity as he hangs there on the cross, 
is the most important truth. And the issue is more important than just maybe feeling foolish or, or, or gullible. There's more at stake here. Eternity is at stake. Your eternal future. Well, today we're going to look at uh, Jesus' trial and death from Pilate's perspective. We'll hear the claims about Jesus that Pilate heard as we look at this story in John's Gospel. This is John, the Apostle John's report. We're going to look at chapter 18 and 19. It'd be really helpful if you had a Bible there with you. Open it up. And we're going to look at passages from John 18 and 19, starting at verse 33. Well, let's zoom in on this scene. The Jewish leaders have brought Jesus to the Roman governor to seek an official execution and hopefully a quick execution. But on Pilate's mind is this. Who is this Jesus? Why all the fuss? What's going on? So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you their king? But it's not, it's not a genuine question, really. He's not searching for the truth. You see, Pilate is mocking Jesus. He's mocking the Jews at the same time. He's saying, oh, what's the problem? Oh, you've got a little king, do you? Are you their king? But Pilate doesn't seem to want to engage with this Jewish squabble. He, just, he doesn't want to get drawn in. He wants to deal with Jesus quickly and move on. Let's read. Now, let's read from verse 33. John, 18, chapter, John chapter 18, verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? So, is Jesus some sort of king? Well, Jesus doesn't deny it, does he? But he's, he's not the type of king that Pilate might expect. You see, Jesus isn't here to set up his own earthly empire. Rather, Jesus is on a truth mission. He's here for the sake of the truth. Jesus is here to preach the truth about himself. Jesus is here to call people to listen to the truth. But Pilate isn't listening. Pilate, Pilate tries to shut down the conversation. And he cops out of the conversation with this surprisingly postmodern comment in the next part of the conversation. Let's keep reading. Verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. What is truth? Listen to Pilate. He just won't engage with the truth, will he? Pilate's highest priority is just moving on from these local troubles. I guess so far his conclusion is, Jesus, he might be crazy. He hasn't really done anything wrong. 
So Pilate goes out to the Jews and he tries to get them to leave with their so-called king. You see there in verse 38. Verse 38. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Is Jesus a true king? Pilate doesn't care. Jesus is just a pain. If anything, he's an inconvenience. He's the inconvenient king. Pilate is indifferent to the truth, isn't he? But Pilate, he's also a people pleaser. A people pleaser. So he tries to appease the Jews to make them happy by flogging Jesus and then he tries to hand, them, hand Jesus back to them again. But even that doesn't work. Next, the Jews say something that really raises the stakes for Pilate. They increase the danger level in Pilate's mind. You see, they say that Jesus has claimed to be the Son of God. Suddenly, Jesus seems much more dangerous. You see, the only Son of God in the Roman Empire was Caesar himself. Years before, decades before Jesus, Julius Caesar had become to be known as the divine Julius. And now, in Jesus' day, the current emperor, Augustus Caesar, is known as the son of the divine. So in Pilate's eyes, there could only be one son of God. And saying something like, I'm the son of God, in front of the Romans, well, that was playing with fire. For Pilate, it didn't matter if it was true or not. It was just a political bomb waiting to go off. It was trouble. Come down with me to chapter 19 and verse 7. Chapter 19, verse 7. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate wants answers. So he starts threatening Jesus. But Jesus is unmoved. Jesus knows that Pilate's not interested in the truth. And Jesus kind of he puts Pilate in his place uh, in verse 11. Verse 10 and 11. Let's read them there. Verse 10. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realise I have the power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Pilate is desperate now to get rid of Jesus. He's desperate and the Jews can smell it. They've hit on a sore spot by pitting Jesus against Caesar. And so they pile on the pressure. Pilate has to choose Jesus or Caesar. Let the innocent man go or give the Jews what they want to shut them up and stay out of trouble. Pilate's decision shows what's important to him, doesn't it? What he decides in the end shows what is number one for Pilate. Jesus, sorry, Pilate is not interested in Jesus' innocence, let alone the truths of his claims. 
Pilate's not interested in any of that. No, Pilate is interested in Pilate. In the end, for Pilate, it's all about me, me, me. So he caves in. He hands Jesus over. Jesus is taken outside the city. He's nailed up on a cross. And he hangs there to die between two other condemned men. Let's read verses 12 to 18. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was a day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Jesus is crucified. And he dies in full view of all the people of Jerusalem. He dies with the label hanging around his neck, the King of the Jews, written in the three languages of Jerusalem, for everyone to see. It's a message. It's a message from the Romans to any would-be rebels. Pitch yourself against Caesar, this is what you get. And the cross is also an insult from Pilate, who's had enough of these people, aimed at the Jewish people. Your king is a dead body, nailed to a pole. Let's read on, verse 19. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I've written, I've written. So Pilate has dealt with Jesus. And his claim to be a king is laughable now, isn't it? With him hanging there on the cross. Even if he was a, a, a little human king, he's dead now. Caesar is unchallenged. Pilate is safe. The Jews will go away. 
Was he the son of the divine like Caesar? Well, no, of course not. How can that be? Look, he is dead. So Pilate can go home and get a good night's sleep now, can't he? So we've witnessed the scene once again. Pilate has heard the claims about Jesus, but he was more interested in convenience than the truth, right? He dismissed Jesus, sent him to his death. And that death surely silences any talk of Jesus being a king. But the problem for Pilate is that when he brushed aside Jesus, he brushed aside the truth. He has not listened to Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said to Pilate in chapter 18, 37? Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. You see, Jesus came into the world to expose a terrible truth, the terrible reality of human sin. Our rejection of God, our sin which rightly brings condemnation and death. Earlier on in what John writes about Jesus, John John writes this in chapter 3, verse 18. John writes, Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here's truth number one. Humans are condemned because of sin. But that's not the end of the story. Because John says in the sentences just before this one, in verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Truth number one, humans are condemned because of sin. Truth number two, Jesus came to save people from condemnation. And here's the miraculous truth, maybe truth number three, the truth of the cross, is that the cross is the very point at which Jesus saves people. The cross is the very point at which Jesus is victorious, a victorious king, in fact. The dead man who's brushed aside by Pilate is actually triumphant. But Jesus doesn't come to raise a sword against Caesar. No, he's a warrior king against sin, And his weapon is his own perfect sacrifice. By Jesus' sacrifice, he wipes out the record of criminal charges against us, the list of human sin. He wipes it clean, and the guilt and the penalty of sin is obliterated. And if you believe in Jesus, no power, no authority, no man or woman, not even the devil himself, can stand up and condemn you to death. Because on the cross, Jesus already took the death you deserve. The Bible says this to us in Colossians chapter 2. Now, I've printed this on your outline there. In Colossians chapter 2, you see there verses 13 to 15. It says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. 
having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. How? By the cross. So truth number one, humans are condemned because of sin. Truth number two, Jesus came to save people from condemnation. And number three, his victory is on the cross. Jesus is a true king, triumphant over sin. And Pilate completely missed it. Completely missed it. But what about you? What about you? Do you want to deal seriously with the truth today? The truth is that we are all sinners facing condemnation. But the truth is also that on the cross, Jesus was this warrior king that you need. He defeated sin. Jesus didn't just die because of Pilate's self-interest or the Jewish leader's hatred. No, it was all God's plan to defeat sin. And Jesus died obedient to that plan and obedient to God. He died to be the warrior king that you and I need. So what does this mean for you today, this Good Friday? Friends, the truth about Easter, it matters, doesn't it? So don't be like Pilate. First of all, don't be like Pilate. Don't dismiss Jesus out of hand. Don't dismiss Jesus because he's inconvenient. Rather, wrestle with the truth. How about for a start, you read the rest of John's Gospel for yourself. John says in his Gospel, towards the end in chapter 20, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life. Wrestle with this truth and life could be yours. Don't be like those media outlets in the intro who got sucked in by that fake study. They, they didn't dig deep. They didn't check the facts. They were gullible and they missed the truth. No, investigate Jesus' claims. Study his words. This weekend, wrestle with the fact that on Sunday morning, the tomb is empty. Jesus is offering eternal life rather than eternal condemnation. Surely it's worth getting to the bottom of this truth. And finally, if you believe this truth already, well, friend, rejoice. Rejoice this Good Friday. Rejoice in the life that you have, knowing that your sins have been paid for. Good Friday is a sobering day as we remember Jesus' death, but it is a joyful day because the truth is that our King Jesus has defeated sin and we no longer face condemnation but have eternal life. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you that Jesus is the true king who wins the victory over sin. Thank you that he was obedient to the point of dying on the cross. Please help us to believe this truth. Please help us to rejoice in the freedom we have from condemnation. May we never believe the lie that Jesus' death was anything less than a total victory over sin. May we never think of him as less than our one true king. We pray this in his name. Amen.